Welcome to Exaltation. This is Father David Masterson bringing you the beautiful, the good, and the true. In just a moment, we'll be looking at John chapter 14, where Jesus teaches us the relationship between love and obedience. But before we look at John's gospel, listen to the music which will draw your heart to the Lord Jesus. Our scripture today is John chapter 14, verses 15 to 21. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. At times in my pastoral work, I am asked, how can I stay close to Jesus? Sometimes I feel far away from God. What can I do to stay better connected with Him? In John chapter 14, Jesus tells us how we may keep in a close love relationship with Him. There are three ideas in this passage. 
Christ's commandments are Christ himself, love is the foundation of obedience to Christ, and obedience brings closeness of God's presence in our lives. Let's look at the first idea that Christ's commandments are Christ himself. Jesus is not speaking only to the disciples in the upper room in Jerusalem. He is speaking to all generations and to all people until the end of time. He speaks with the authority God used when he gave the Ten Commandments in the Old Testament. He assumes his right to impose his will on every human being, and he assumes that his will is the all-sufficient guide for human conduct. What are the commandments of Jesus? They are all the words which he spoke, but they are also all the life that he lived. Christ's commandments are Christ himself. Jesus is not a moralist who says, do this or do that, but copy me, follow me, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Jesus' commandments are himself a character perfect, loving, and joyfully submitted to his heavenly Father. When we see Jesus' commandments as Christ himself, our perspective totally changes. We look at the law of the gospel as embodied in our living Lord, and we want to obey him. Everything that was hard and far off and difficult in the Old Testament law vanishes. Instead of tables of stone, we have fleshly tables of the heart, soft and open towards God. Instead of dutiful obligation, we have the freedom of the Holy Spirit to keep and do the law of the gospel. The law stands before us as a wonderful being, a person, a living person of our Lord Jesus, to be loved, to be clung to, to be trusted and cherished. What we once thought of as duty becomes changed into the attraction of a living, loving Savior. The beautiful, pure, and holy life of Jesus is enough in the midst of all the conflicts and perplexities of life. We must simply listen to him and obey the voice that says, Keep my commandments. Then notice that love is the foundation of obedience and obedience flows from love. Obedience has often been misunderstood. For many associate submission as a sort of enslavement. For many, obedience is a relic of the past when people had to bow down before kings. Some parents even treat their children as though they were simply little friends for fear obedience might stifle their child's creativity. However, children raised by permissive parents often feel unloved, for they interpret leniency as a sign their parent doesn't care. They sense that a parent who really loves their child would be willing to set boundaries as a way to protect and nurture the child. We see love and obedience worked out in the marriage relationship. We all know that love is real when it seeks the good of the beloved. A loving wife delights to serve a devoted husband because she trusts in his loving faithfulness to her. 
when a husband deeply loves his wife and a wife obediently submits to her husband, there is true freedom and joy, for both have opened themselves to the grace and love of God in and through one another. It is loving obedience that distinguishes the morality of the gospel from all other world religions. All people know their moral duty. We all intuitively know right from wrong and good from evil. What we lack is the power and the will to practice what we know. What we lack is the ability to make the right choice every time. The founders of other world religions prescribe maxims for moral living. Jesus himself is the embodiment of all purity and holiness and righteousness. Therefore, what the morality of every religion fails to do, Christ comes and does. He not only tells us what to do, but he shows us by his life the truth and goodness of his teachings and then gives us the power to do the same by the working of his life within us. It is love that gives us the power to become. God's love drives out all that is false and low and unholy from our hearts. When Christ comes into my heart, all that is dark, defiled, vile, and evil, he cleanses by his calm and pure presence. Love is defined, particularly in our modern world, as a feeling. It is understood as a wonderful emotion that fills our whole being. Jesus says that true love is not a feeling or emotion, but an action. Yes, when we act in a loving way, the result is often feelings of happiness and blessedness. But love is a verb. True love is obedience. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Some people try to prove their love for Christ by professing it through words and testimonies or by singing about him. But we don't prove our love by giving glowing testimonies or singing or exuberant worship. Sometimes people sing loudly in church to cover over their inner disobedience. Some try to prove their love by long hours of service for God. They go overseas on mission trips or serve the homeless or take care of the poor and needy. All of these good works are certainly praiseworthy, but however good our service for God might be, it is not the proof of our love for Him. Often good deeds are done out of willful zeal rather than out of obedience to God's command. Too often people engage in good works to feel good about themselves or to receive the praises of men. We prove our love for Christ when we do what he says. The demonstration of love which God desires is the thousand and one little obediences of every day which no one else sees or knows about, but which God observes and God will reward. The truth is that people around me can't tell how much I love Jesus because they can't see into the depths of my heart. They don't see my true motives. My love for Jesus can't be measured by the amount of my service and work for him, my worship, or my good deeds. 
The final demonstration of my love is simply to do what my master tells me to do. My child, this is the way. Walk in it in obedience to me. Now remember that John wrote in his epistle, We love because he first loved us. My obedience is the demonstration of my love for God. But that love is always born from his love and is a response to it. Mere profession of love never produces obedience. Only abiding in God's love and gratefully responding to him each day will enable us to do what he says. This underscores the danger of locating your Christian experience in your feelings and emotions. Some days you may feel close to the Lord. Your heart may exult and feel the Father's embrace. Other days you may not be very aware of his presence and even sometimes feel discouraged or distant from the Lord. Our spiritual assurance and peace comes from trusting in the character and promises of God and not depending upon our changing feelings and circumstances. You are listening to Exaltation. I'm Father David Masterson, bringing you the beautiful, the good, and the true, heralding the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ so that we may experience life in Him. Let's continue our lesson. Notice that obedience demonstrates love, and love inspires more obedience. The more I obey, the more I will love. If I disobey, my love will cool and I will fall off the path of righteousness. But as I obey more and more, God increases my love for Him, and gradually His love comes to possess my soul. Then notice that answering love with obedience brings an increase of God's closeness and presence. God's love is always the first thing. He is prior to everything else. But it is when I answer that love with obedience that His love increases within me and I become more and more aware of His presence. We cannot make God cease to love us, but we can place ourselves away from the place where we experience his love and presence. Jude says in his epistle, keep yourselves in the love of God. What he means is, since we begin the Christian life in God's love, 
we must now keep ourselves there. Keep yourselves in such a dependent, trusting relationship with God that his love will flow unhindered in you. Take, for example, a mother's deep love for her child. It gives me much joy to watch my daughter Sarah raise her three children because she is such a first-rate loving mother. Your mother will never cease to love you if she is a real mother. But you may do things so as to put yourself outside of the operation of a mother's love. A rebellious son places himself away from the love of his mother. Even so, the love of God is hindered by our disobedience so that we don't experience his unchanging love. Listen to Jesus' words again. He who loves me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. This is an incredibly wonderful promise. Jesus will make himself manifest to me as the reward of obedience. Sometimes the path of obedience is a dreary, monotonous path. We dream of doing heroic things for God, but he has us on a rather mundane path for months or years at a time. But if we do our duty on the path God appoints, he promises that he will fill us with his love and presence. This is the true force of holiness. We come to the place where we say, I must obey my Lord because I want to please him with all my heart. I cannot do this sin because it would grieve him. It would disappoint the heart of my lover. When we live this way, God's love and presence surround us like sunshine and our daily path is filled with joy and gladness in doing God's will. This is the magnificent opportunity of obedience. Every new requirement of obedience is a new opportunity for deeper communion with my Lord. Every new obedience is a step further in trust and relationship with my Savior. He wants to reveal himself to me, but will not until I obey the commandment he has already given me. So when you wake up tomorrow morning, go to work at his command. Go to the office. Go into your housework. Go into your family responsibilities and caring for your children out of love for Jesus and in obedience to him. And remember that obedience that is mechanical and dutiful is not obedience at all. Real obedience flows from a heart of love and devotion to Jesus. Then finally, observe the connection between belief, love, obedience, and mission. The key word of the Gospel of John is believe. What John does in chapter 14 is help us unpack the relationship between belief, love, obedience, and mission. When we think about following Christ and keeping his commandments, it's easy to say, how can I possibly obey Christ? How can I possibly keep the commandments? I'm weak. I'm sinful. How can this be done? The answer is, believe. Believe on Christ and keep on believing on him. Jesus loves you so much 
that he gave up his life in your place? What is it that fills our hearts to overflowing with love and adoration for Jesus? The fact that he died for me when I was still a rebellious sinner against him. When I was wandering off in the darkness of indifference and ignorance, he loved me to himself. Listen to the words of the great hymn by Charles Wesley. And can it be that I should gain an interest in the Savior's blood? Died he for me who caused his pain? For me who him to death pursued? Amazing love, how can it be that thou, my God, shouldst die for me? Amazing love, how can it be that thou, my God, shouldst die for me? God's Son died for me on the cross. Once we grasp this magnificent fact, our faith and trust in Christ will unleash a torrent of love for him. Listen to the words of another wonderful hymn. Jesus paid it all. I hear the Savior say, Thy strength indeed is small. Child of weakness, watch and pray. Find in me thine all in all. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. For nothing good have I whereby thy grace to claim. I'll wash my garments white in the blood of Calvary's Lamb. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Realizing the enormous price Jesus paid to redeem your soul and save you from eternal death changes your life from within. This was true for Count Nicholas von Zinzendorf, the founder of the Moravian Brethren in the 1800s in Saxony, East Germany. When he was sent as a young man to visit the capital cities of Europe in order to complete his education, Zinzendorf found himself one day in the art gallery of Dusseldorf. He stood silently before a painting by Domenico Fetti entitled Essay Homo. It is a painting of Jesus wearing a crown of thorns, obviously in great pain and suffering. At the bottom of the painting is an inscription which reads, All this I did for you. What will you do for me? Zinzendorf was deeply convicted and challenged. Right there and then he bowed his heart before the crucified Christ and asked Jesus to draw him into the fellowship of his sufferings. The Moravian community he established stressed the Lamb slain and his motto was, Tell all about the Lamb of God until you can tell them no more. When we believe upon Jesus Christ, we grow to love him more and more. And the more we love him, the more we want to obey him. The more we want to obey him, the more we want to tell others about him. Do you see the beautiful progression? Belief leads to love, love leads to obedience, and obedience leads to mission. This is the order of experience. 
First, we look and believe on Jesus as he is revealed as the invisible God made known. We come to know him as Lord and Savior. Then this looking and believing releases God's love within our hearts. We can't help but fall in love with the one who died for us. Then the love of God prompts us to obedience. We want to obey the one we love. And finally, the more we obey, the deeper our love for Jesus grows and the more we want to tell the world about the crucified Savior. I keep falling in love with him over and over and over and over again. And as I do, I then joyfully herald the message of his cross and resurrection that all may hear and believe in our magnificent, glorious, holy Lord. For of him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory both now and forevermore. Amen. You've been listening to Exaltation on the Voice of Hope radio broadcast. I'm Father David Masterson with Gaudette Ministries. You may reach us on the web at gaudetministries.org. That's G-A-U-D-E-T-E ministries.org. This program, Exaltation, is designed to encourage you. Please get in touch with us by going to our website and clicking on the contact link, contact at gaudetministries.org. We want to pray for you and be a support to you. Until next time, may God richly bless you with this word of encouragement from the prophet Isaiah. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint.